I would wake up at four o'clock in the morning and then my daughter would typically get up around seven or eight. I'd make her breakfast, get her an activity. She would typically go down for a nap at 11. That's when I would have my first class. And then after that, when she would just become antsy, she was just in camera. It was very important to me to have eye contact with the professor and they knew I was very serious about school, whether my child was in the camera or not. And I felt like because it was something I was passionate about, interested in, I really gave it everything I had. Good morning. This is Epicenter NYC. We connect our communities to news, information, and each other. I'm Andrea Pineda Salgado. LaGuardia Community College is one of the nation's top two-year colleges when it comes to upward mobility. Nearly half of the students are part-time, often supporting their families while getting their degree. But as the pandemic caused mass closures across New York City, many students were suddenly stuck between a rock and a hard place. Some lost their jobs, some became at risk of losing their homes, and many were forced to confront difficult decisions. And at the same time, LaGuardia Community College has been facing budget cuts. Luckily, they've received some federal aid. But what happens next year when the stimulus runs out? Today, Epicenter's Danielle Himes talks with two students to hear their stories on balancing their education with jobs, families, and on top of all of that, the pandemic. Before we begin, a quick message from our friends and sponsors at McKinsey & Company. People who are rich will take care of themselves. They're fine. But people who are regular, you know, I want to see what opportunities can we afford them. That's Jeffrey Seller producer of Hamilton, talking about how he created a lottery to provide $10 premium tickets to give more equitable access to orchestra seats. And by the way, I've never said that out loud before. He's featured in a recent edition of Intersection, McKinsey's weekly newsletter that shares stories about diversity, gender equality, and inclusion. Check out McKinsey's Intersection newsletter at mckinsey.com forward slash intersection. And thanks. Now, back to the show. Desiree Obando lives in East Harlem. She lost her job in hospitality during COVID. She's now working towards becoming a social worker. Desiree has maintained a 4.0 GPA, all while caring for her three-year-old daughter and acting as a student success mentor for other students at LaGuardia. Here's Danielle and Desiree. Hi, it's Danielle from Epicenter. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thank you so much for taking a couple minutes to chat. I know that you're very busy. <laughs> it is not an issue. As we speak, I am dressing my child after her bath, and I told her I have a very important meeting, so she has to be quiet. And you're obviously an expert at multitasking by now. So I was hoping you could walk me through your experience at LaGuardia. Oh, I had originally went to Long Island University, the Brooklyn campus, and... It didn't work out, so I dropped out of school because I couldn't afford it. I was waiting tables, and then I was like, you know what? I started making, started giving me more shifts at work. I started making more money, and I was like, maybe I'll just put my energy here. So I stood waiting tables. From waiting tables, I became shift leader. From being shift leader, I moved to back of office. So I forged a career for myself in hospitality in the West Village. And I was I was happy. I was making 60K. I had benefits. I had paid time off. It was good. 
Right. And then the pandemic happened. And at first I was just like, my job shut down very, very quickly. It was my last day at work was March 11th. And then the city was shut down March 16th. Okay. Yeah. That is very fast. They told us it was temporary and they told us we would come back. I didn't hundred percent believe that. So when things started changing and, you know, things started opening up, I reached out to see what was going on. I had already applied to LaGuardia and they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you back. And I wanted to change my major. So they walked me through that process. And then my job told me that my position no longer existed. And if things changed, they would reach back out to me. I was already enrolled for September. This happened in July. So I was like, I don't have a job to go back to. I don't really want to move, I guess, laterally in hospitality to have a poor quality of life. Right. Did you consider continuing an education in hospitality or you knew you wanted to do an entirely different route? I did, but I had to be honest with myself. You know, people talk about skeletal staffs now and people talk about, you know, the the lack of employees. And I was just like, they operated bare bones before. Mm -hmm. I said, something has to give. I cannot sustain living this way. So that type of toxic environment was really what made me question, do you want to go work for a hotel group and give up? either Thanksgiving or Christmas and not be home with your child. Right. And I think that so many people felt the same way. I actually also worked in hospitality and lost my job during COVID um, in, in Manhattan. And similar to you, it was already super bare bones. And I know now they're really desperate. Yeah. But it's even in good times, it's a very hard work-life balance. It really was. And I was like, I don't, I don't want this. I don't want this. I was like, I have all of these years of making these very small but integral steps in people's lives. Because a lot of people will view it and just say it's just dinner. And it's not. It's so much more than that. There's camaraderie. There's celebration. There's grief. There's loss. There's reunions. And for so long, I was a part of those interactions in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a unique skill. So How can it, I take this? So and, that's and make what inspired else? you to pursue social work? Yeah, so I am a human services major. I did want to do macro-level social work where it's more focused on public health and it's a focus on community, organizing, being politically charged, politically active, and trying to move the needle in places that are typically ignored. Is there a specific place in New York that you're thinking of that you'd like to work with? Exactly where I live. I live in East Harlem. I've lived here my entire life. I'm currently watching a fight for my neighborhood between gentrification and low-income housing. And when do you graduate? In January. And how did you manage to juggle all of that with a three-year-old, especially learning from home? Time management skills. I would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and work out and read my chapters while on the treadmill. And then my daughter would typically get up around 7 or 8. I'd make her breakfast get her an activity she would typically go down for a nap at 11 that's when I would have my first class my roommate would take her during her lunch break and then after that when she would just become antsy she was just in camera I would just keep myself muted I would keep my camera on 
it was very important to me to have eye contact with a professor and they knew I was very serious about school whether my child was in the camera or not and I felt like because it was something I was passionate about and interested in I, I really gave it everything I had and I was shocked that after being out of school for eight years I have a 4.0 every single semester well congratulations on that that is truly amazing So one of the reasons I was speaking with the president of LaGuardia is just because they are facing an enrollment crisis and budget cuts amid COVID. So like given your own experience, I was wondering if you can comment on how important an institution like LaGuardia is that's accessible to average New Yorkers. When they told me enrollment was down, I was confused, especially at such a supportive institution like LaGuardia was confusing to me. LaGuardia helped me pay my rent when my unemployment got cut off. They helped me sign up for SNAP. There's support for women. There's support for the LGBTQI. I'm a part of their student success mentor program as a way to speak to other students that are incoming and share that this is what it looks like right before you leave. Like, I was in your shoes. I know what it's like to be overwhelmed, to be a mom, to be old, to come back to school, whatever it is. And I would have never done any of that without the type of support that LaGuardia provides. And and like I said, it's more than just educational support. It's I care about you as a full person. Got it. I mean, this is all amazing. I feel like you're going to be very successful in whatever you do just from speaking to you right now. Well, Desiree, thank you so much for speaking to me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Danielle also spoke to Rashawn Austin. He's based in Jamaica, Queens. Similar to Desiree, Austin stopped working in the retail industry during the pandemic. He enrolled in the Occupational Therapy Assistant Program and graduated from LaGuardia this summer. Here's Danielle and Austin. You had already completed... Um, your bachelor's degree, and you lost your job, and you ended up going back to LaGuardia super recently, actually. So I was hoping you could just kind of walk me through that. Yes, 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 that's correct. So I did do my undergrad at um, John Jay in English Lit. I was working in human resource management at the time. Um, Specifically, I worked for Target, and then I worked for Saks. Um, How I came to LaGuardia and came into the OT world uh, was because I kind of got very tired of the retail slog, and I just decided that I wanted to do something with my life that meant more. And it was just a series of coincidences that it seems to be that I fell into OT. Specifically, I started volunteering at a church where I was living at the time. And I met a therapist there and we'd talk and she would tell me about her profession. And if there's one thing about OTs, they love to talk about the profession. Um, and I became, that's how, you know, my first exposure to it. And I became interested. So I started doing some research. And then after that, it was kind of, you know, full steam ahead. And did you consider other programs or getting another bachelor's degree? Or how did you decide to attend LaGuardia? My plan initially, because I was working in human resources and I was working in retail, I thought like, okay, I'll go get an MBA. Um, That's generally what everyone kind of does. But that just wasn't for me. I chose LaGuardia specifically after looking at a few different programs. And it just came down to location, availability, and then just feedback that I had received from the program. And can you touch a little bit more on the feedback you received? Like, how how has the experience been in general? And how is it, I don't know, maybe compared with your experience at John Jay? I can't 
really compare it to my experience per se at John Jay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But all in all, I would say the program was amazing. Like it was absolutely amazing. I enjoyed every single part of it. I enjoyed every step of it. I met some amazing professors that definitely prepared us uh, for exactly what we needed to, to know entering the healthcare field. And if there's one thing I can definitely say about the program is no matter what the challenge that I face at any given point, there was always a support there to help you kind of push through it, especially, you know, I, we were the first COVID class. So we were fully in school. Everything was perfectly fine. And then I think that was what, January, February of 2020, Mm -hmm. where everything started to just crash down. And our professors just kind of jumped in there and, you know, supported us, which is amazing when I think about it in retrospect, because, you know, this was something stressful for them and new for them as well. So like, After your experience there, could you just speak to the importance of institutions like LaGuardia for the average New Yorker? Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. I think where LaGuardia difference and schools that offer programs like the OT program and also like the PT program, a lot of those programs are designed to get you into the workplace as soon as you graduate. I didn't have a gap between me graduating school and finding a job. So there was never that uncertainty. And that was the first time I'd ever experienced that in my life. So as soon as I passed my exam, I contacted my previous director and I started working about two weeks after. Got it. And you are so content with your decision to switch professions? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) There's not a doubt in my mind. I've never been more confident about any single thing, any singular thing in my entire life. And that's how I know that this was meant for me because my resolve to see it through to the end was uncompromising. There was no, for me, there was no failure. Like it sounds very generic and cliche, but for me, there was no going backwards. And that's what I'm doing now. Well, that must be a great feeling. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. As Austin said, the fact that his program gave him a direct path to a job he loves was life-changing. Danielle spoke to Kenneth Adams, the president of LaGuardia, about just that, the importance of helping their students join the workforce immediately after graduation. They also touched on how the pandemic affected the students as well as the institution itself, and what's in store for the future as federal stimulus dollars run out. Hey, Danielle. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. Um, so, well, I would love to start by talking about your role. You were appointed during COVID. What's that been like for you? You know, I've been this virtual college president for a little over a year now. And uh, it was tricky, right? After a while, it gets a little tiresome. So, you know, the good news is now we've got staff and some students starting to come back to campus and actually having some face-to-face meetings and getting to know my colleagues What implications has COVID had for the students at LaGuardia? I know they're a very diverse group. You know, we have students, it's reflective of Queens. You know what? If Queens is the world's borough, LaGuardia is certainly the world's community college. We have students from 158 different countries. And so it's a fantastic and incredibly diverse student body. And being a community college, you know, our students are somewhat older than you might expect. Over 60% of our students are women. 48% of all of our students identify as Hispanic. 44% of our students go part-time. And that's because they have to work to support their families. And again, you see that in community colleges all across the country, that dynamic, which is challenging because it tends to take longer for our students to get their degrees because they're juggling family, 
you know, a job in school. In our seven community colleges, we really serve some of the most low-income students in all of CUNY. And that's because, frankly, we're more affordable. Having said all that, you know, the pandemic really has hit our student body hard. So it's, do I help my family or do I go back to LaGuardia and work on my degree? It's sort of a tough decision. So what I'm trying to say is the economic effect of COVID, which has been powerful all across the state, really is hard hitting in Queens. And, and it's affected our enrollment. And, you know, we're doing everything we can to help our students get back into class. But we recognize, again, they really got it, that many of them just have to work, have to support their families before they can get back on their educational pathway. Absolutely. And at the same time, CUNY schools are also dealing with budget cuts, correct? Well, yes. Unfortunately, this year, Mayor de Blasio cut the city budget, cut the funding for community colleges by $67 million. So we had a loss in city funding. The state funding actually remained stable because at the last minute in the state budget process, our representatives from Queens and beyond worked out a a, a special uh, arrangement whereby we were held harmless in our state funding. So the state funding was stable. The city funding was cut. Uh, And we've lost revenue because we've lost students because of the pandemic and our enrollment's down. What is the path forward? Well, there's a rock on one side. The hard place isn't so bad right now because of the federal stimulus aid. But the problem, Danielle, is for the following year because there won't be any more federal stimulus money at that point. And that's going to be a tricky situation. Right. And, you know, the students dropping out, I know LaGuardia's ranked among the top two-year colleges for upward economic mobility. Can you touch on the implications this will have for the students and also just how important community colleges are as a tool to move up? Community colleges, you know, are increasingly being recognized for that role you just described, which is we're a gateway both to higher education, but also a ladder of kind of economic opportunity. With that in mind, if students have had to drop out of LaGuardia because of the economic effects of COVID, well, that's a bad thing. We don't want that to happen. So we've got to do a couple of things, right? First, we've got to be sure, we've got to get them all the financial support possible to help them stay in school. And then if they are, they do have to take some time off to work, then we've got to give them like a lot of support and stay in touch and help them when they're ready to come back to LaGuardia. Yeah, and, and if one of our listeners wants to help, how does someone donate to the fund? Well, the easiest thing is just to go to our website. Um, we have a lot of information. Uh, it's called the LaGuardia Challenge, and we have it, you know, it's right on our website. And any listeners that are inclined to do that, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Our students could really use the help. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Desiree and Rashawn are examples of students who made it work. But as we heard, it hasn't worked for everyone. During the pandemic, LaGuardia saw students drop out and enrollment decline. That's why it's more important now more than ever to help our neighbors. While the government has helped, there's always more that can be done. Whether it's reaching out to your local representative to push for expanded childcare, housing rights, and tuition subsidies, or simply letting your neighbor know you're free to babysit, we can all have a part to play. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. To learn more about LaGuardia Community College, use the link in our show notes. 
Our intro music is All the Pretty Horses by Karavika. You can find more of their music on their website, linked to, in our podcast description. <laughs>